Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Lodge, where today we get to talk about FF7. We get to talk about FF7. Uh, we had some, not a whole lot of news, some brief news come out that I think is worth talking about. Just some stuff that's dropped between our last podcast about FF7 and today. So I just wanted to touch on that, you know, make sure everybody's up to speed. Uh, definitely have some Ever Crisis stuff I want to talk about. And we definitely got to talk about Chapter 5 of First Soldier. I'm going to save that for the second half of the podcast, just in case you're not trying to get spoiled on anything. But anyway, let me interrupt my rambling by giving a shout out to the amazing and beautiful Sages of the Lodge. These amazing names you see up on your screen are YouTube channel members or donate directly monthly. Anyway, as I always say, that's just a bonus. Uh, all I ask is that you come and hang out. And as I can see, we have a number of you in here already. So let's see. Let's let's call out the early birds. We got Lands and Masters chilling over here on Twitch. I know we had Theo and OJ. Will's word is here. My man, what's going on, Will? Eric the dude. What's up, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out during the last FF7 podcast, dude. Uh, American McGee's Alice Fanatic. Howdy. How are you? And uh, Orpheus Joshua, Sage of the Lodge. We got two sages here, OJ and Will. Um, but yeah, listen, guys, there's a, there's a whole lot I want to get into. Um, I think the bulk of what I want to talk about actually might be Ever Crisis and First Soldier related. Just because, let's put it this way, if... You're a fan of FF7. What's going on, Silver Dash? If you're a fan of FF7 and you're a fan of Sephiroth in particular, First Soldier, via Ever Crisis, is dropping some pretty incredible stuff about Sephiroth. Things that are going to change things in the world of FF7 forever. Give me one sec. Just want to adjust this camera a little bit. Give it a little bit more elevation. Um, but before I get into any of that, Let's maybe talk about some of the stuff, some of the news that we have heard um, ever since uh, the last time we spoke. Give me a second. So we talked about last time. Let me pull this up right here. We talked about what's going on, Patari. Larkseen Simp is here too. What's up? So we talked about last time. I think I've got this muted. Last thing I want is you guys to have to hear that. But uh, we talked about this part of the trailer and how peculiar it looked. Right? Because it, it was a trailer for Rebirth, but what they're showing here was clearly the end of Remake. Now, I, I know a number of theories were thrown out there. Oh, this is evidence of the multiple world lines. Oh, this is happening in one timeline and Rebirth will be another. So, take what I say with a grain of salt. But there seems to be a soft confirmation that this particular eight-second clip from the trailer is actually part of a 17-minute... Um, what would you call it? A 17-minute summary of Final Fantasy VII Remake that's going to be available, um, that's going to be available for people to watch upon booting up uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Because again, we've talked about how they say that, what what is it, that FF7 Rebirth could be your first experience of FF7 ever? Um, here, let me actually pull that up. Yeah, yeah, good. I got it right here. So this came out, we covered this, and we wondered if what they were going to do was give the player some kind of summary upon booting up Remake. Because if we recall from these interviews back from a month or so ago, 
Do I need to play FF7 Remake to enjoy FF7 Rebirth? The answer is no. We have made preparations so that players who did not get a chance to play the game first can fully enjoy Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So, you know, we talked about that. Oop, wrong one. We talked about that a little bit again when it first dropped. And we suspected that something like that was going to happen. Because again, Square Enix does have a track record of doing this. You know, if you guys recall, upon booting up Kingdom Hearts 3, you had all these different ways that you could get a summary of the Dark Seeker saga. Not all these different ways, but you had the Memory Archive, which for every title, Chirithi basically gave you a soft summary of it. They're going to do the same thing with Rebirth, but what's interesting is they're only going to cover Remake. They're not covering the OG, which I find interesting because I know, you know, we're all pretty certain this is a quasi-sequel to the original game. All of it condensed into 17 minutes, yeah, all of Rebirth, not Rebirth, all of Remake will be condensed in like a 17-minute video like this that's going to summarize it for the player. And honestly, even if you are someone who's played Remake, if you haven't played it recently, it'll probably be worth checking out. Me, though, I've played Remake probably five times, and I plan on playing it one more time before Rebirth drops. So I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be okay with just that. But uh, anyway, yeah, let's boot on boot on over into here. Let me pull up something else I wanted to cover. And again, by the way, that news of the 17-minute um, summary, the reason why we should all take that with a grain of salt is it came from an interview off of a Korean FF7 forum. So a very niche source, but seemed pretty certain of it. And the link is out there to back it up. But, you know, just to be safe, why don't we why don't we take that with a little grain of salt? Why don't we? But uh, the next thing I want to show is actually pretty exciting and is going to get us into a, 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 a very broad Final Fantasy discussion. Let me make sure I got the sound on for you guys. So for those who may not be keeping up with the ever crisis of it all, by the way, what's going on, Corn Flakes and Con Donahue? Good to see you in here. But for those who may not be keeping up with the ever crisis of it all, um, turns out there's gonna there is an ongoing FF9 crossover. Check it out. Playing the classic tune. And we're gonna talk about why this is so significant in a minute. Crossover coming soon. Alright, so this was the coming soon trailer, but it's here. I've done a little bit of this Black Waltz uh, event. It's pretty fun, but the last, last level's pretty hard, man. By the way, by the way, hold up, hold up, hold up. Back it up. Back it up. The outfits. The outfits. The outfits. Cloud in Zidane's outfit, and look at that freaking sword. It does not get more over the top than that. Looks great, though. And then we have Tifa in Amaranth's gear. Like, come on, dude. Come on. This is one of the things that I actually... And I actually... I'm actually going to be pretty critical of Ever Crisis in today's episode. And before I do, we're going to cover all the news and stuff. Because last time, I really just gave my first impressions of Ever Crisis. I've probably put double-digit hours into it now. So I want to give 
you know, more of a complete overview of the game. Um, I will say, just as a sneak preview for that part, I think it might be the best mobile game I've ever played. That said, I do have my criticisms. I do have my criticisms, and I think it could be an even better game with just a few modifications. But anyway, we'll get into that. Let's finish this FF9 crossover trailer, which is awesome. Let's loop it. And again, the Black Waltz uh, event is pretty fun. So there you have it. Let's drop a mute on that. And it did just drop. So, why is this FF9 crossover so... <laughs> Whoa. That was a big one. <clears throat> anyway. So, why is showing off FF9 right now so significant? So, for those who may not be up to speed, um, there was an NVIDIA leak. Thank you, Larkscene Simp. There was an NVIDIA leak uh, well over a year ago that, well over a year ago, well over a year and a half ago, it was probably almost two years ago at this point. And in that leak was a bunch of upcoming games. And this leak has been 90 plus, 90 plus percent accurate. 90 plus, gee, it's hard to say. 90 plus percent accurate about games that were upcoming. Like, for example, Kingdom Hearts 4 was listed before the trailer for Kingdom Hearts 4 ever came out. Like, that's how accurate this leak has been. And part of that leak was some kind of a Final Fantasy IX remake. And to be fair, the FF9 remake, as far as Square Enix goes, is one of, if not the last thing on that leak, yet to be confirmed. Now, FF7 as we know, is connected to the FF10 universe. Now, of course, that could always just be a, a cheeky wink and a nod. But without getting too into it, there's some soft confirmation that FF7 and FF10 might exist within the same universe. So you might think, for starters, that maybe FF10 would be the first crossover ever Crisis does. Or perhaps because Cloud and Squall have um, overlapped in Kingdom Hearts before, that FF7 and FF8 might be your first crossover. Or maybe because FF16 is the most recent Final Fantasy, that FF16 might be your first ever Crisis crossover. Or maybe because FF14 is going on and on, that might be your first ever Crisis crossover. But none of those games were. FF9, a game Nomura wasn't even on got the first crossover as far as Final Fantasies go. That's crazy. And what that signals to me, a soft signal, is that FF9 remake announcement has got to be around the corner. Umbra is here, best mod in the game. It says FF9 remake announcement at the Game Awards or maybe Jump Festa? Look, somebody, somebody prove me, somebody tell me my logic is flawed. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Tell me my logic is flawed. Please do. But again, considering all these other Final Fantasies that Square would have much more of an interest in pushing right now, be it 16 with its incoming DLC, 14 with the Dawn Trail trailer, FF10 being softly connected to FF7, FF8 because 7 and 8 are conjoined in Kingdom Hearts together, like many other angles they could have taken that would have made more sense. But they chose FF9. FF9. One of the few FFs in that era that Nomura was not listed on. He was on 6, 7, 8, 10, even 4 and 5, if I'm not mistaken. 
but not nine. Why this one? I think I think that that announcement is right around the corner. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. I didn't want to harp on this too much, although I think there was some artwork I had pulled up I wanted to show, but I showed the trailer. Oh, no, here we go. Yeah, I got it right here. One sec. Just want to show off this artwork, which I thought was cool. Again, the drip is great. They look great in FF9 gear. Honestly, especially Tifa. I got to say, I did not expect her to pull off Amarant, you know? But here we are. Here we are. Do we think this is a canon crossover or just a fun non-canon event? 100% fun non-canon event. As someone who's been playing the event and has played the quote-unquote story of the event, um, it is non-canon. It's 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 just for fun. I need a 6 remake. 6 is one of those games that could use a... Honestly... I got to replay six one of these days. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on here. Let me see what else I had that I wanted to show up. Who is calling me? Who is calling me? You know what? We're going to answer it. It's my buddy. Yo, Jesse, what's going on, dude? You're live on the air. You called me mid-podcast. Say hello to the folks. Oh, what's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah, man. You want, me to, uh, you want me to call you back when I'm done? Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll didn't even let him say goodbye. I'm a jackass. Anyway. Anyway. Where were we? Okay. Let me see. I pulled up a few sources. We've discussed this already. Oh. Oh. Yes. Yes. Something kind of crazy. So the Sephiroth of it all is about to is about to kick off. The Sephiroth of it all is about to kick off. Okay, guys. I have the sources. I have the sources to back this up. But there's a recent interview with Nomura, which we haven't really touched on, that I think is worth talking about. But before we get into it, I see Eric the Dude has an FF9 comment. Says, the FF9 remake seems so close to being real. It'd be interesting to see who at Square is working on it. Uh, Business Unit 1 is working on the remake trilogy, which I'm assuming assuming is for another four to five years. Yes. Then you have Creative Business Unit 3, who's working on FF14 and FF16. So maybe it's CBU2? Four? I don't know. I forget which one works on Dragon Quest. Anyway, let's talk about this Nomura interview, because I think it's pretty crazy. Nomura says, firstly, I would like to talk about Sephiroth's role within the story. For this entire remake project, Sephiroth makes more of an appearance, much more so than the original title. Again, anyone who's played the original, you know that's true. He is certainly a character that really moves the story along in a very immense and impactful way. 100%. The whole plot basically moves through Sephiroth. Creative Business Unit 2 is the near Dragon Quest team. Then maybe it's CBU 4, or maybe it's a subdivision of CBU 3 or 1. Who knows? But thank you, Umbra. Appreciate that. Um, he's a cert- he's certainly a character that really moves the-, the story along in a very immense and impactful way. How exactly he does so for this title, I would like for users to experience with their own hands by playing until the end of Rebirth. Okay, so that implies, first of all, that how Sephiroth is impacting the world of FF7 in the remake trilogy will be revealed to us at the end of Rebirth. That's what Nomura is telling us here that I would like for users to experience with their own hands by playing until the end of Rebirth. That's going to be the crux. Here's where things get crazy. As far as Sephiroth being this extremely popular character, frankly, 
I'm very curious as to what makes him so attractive to users, because I hear this opinion very often. His appearance, firstly, I'm sure. You gotta love that, because you know you know Namur is the cat the character designer, and he's here like, firstly, the appearance. <laughs> his appearance, firstly, I'm sure. Just like, yeah, you know, his appearance is why people really seem to love Sephiroth. Just saying. Jesse. Damn, Roxas calling mid-podcast. <laughs> Jesus. All right. But anyway, his appearance, firstly, I'm sure. But also, perhaps, there is something about his background that brings about a particular appeal to so many of the players that make him this iconic character. Here we go. And so, for Rebirth, I would like... I would think that besides Cloud, Sephiroth is also a protagonist that we can think of for this title. I will say it again. I would think that besides Cloud, Sephiroth is also a protagonist that we can think of for this title. Now, at first glance, that is something that worried me. I'm not going to lie. Because the idea, how do I put this? The idea that Sephiroth would be redeemed in any way, or that Sephiroth would be made into some kind of good guy, to me is just not an attractive idea at all. However, protagonist doesn't necessarily mean good guy. Protagonist doesn't necessarily mean that they are benevolent or that they are uh, that they're like I said before. Protagonist doesn't mean good guy. It's easy to fall into that because most protagonists are good guy. But if you're playing a game or experiencing a story or reading a book where the main character is the villain, then the villain is the protagonist. So again, it's easy to kind of jump on this idea of, oh, Namur said Sephiroth's one of the protagonists. Sephiroth's going to be redeemed. He's going to be a good guy. Everything sucks now. Uh, It doesn't mean that. It just means that this story is going to revolve just as much around Sephiroth as it is other characters. It's going to revolve just as much around Sephiroth as it will other characters in the story like Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, and them. Which honestly we need. We need, I honestly think the better you make Sephiroth as a character, the more you fill him out, the better the story will be. I really do believe that. So again, hearing Namura say that we can expect to see Sephiroth as a protagonist is not signaling that he's going to be the good guy or signaling that he's going to be redeemed. I don't think that's what's going to happen here. But it does mean that he he can be considered the main character. That That's what it seems like Namura is saying to me that you're going to be able to consider Sephiroth one of, if not the main character of Rebirth. It'd be cool to get some moments here and there where we sort of see what's going on with Sephiroth's point of view. Well, have you played Ever Crisis? Because I'm excited to kind of get into that. I'm excited to kind of get into that because we have some stuff with Ever Crisis that really touches on some of this stuff with Sephiroth in ways that I was not expecting. I have not yet? Okay. Stick around to the end when we talk about it a little bit, because it it uh, gets a little crazy. Okay. Just doesn't feel right without Sephiroth being the poster boy of the antagonist side. And I think he still will be. 
I think he still will be. He'll be an he'll be an antagonist in relation to Cloud, but he may not be an antagonist for the viewer. If that makes sense. And again, I think Ever Crisis, when we get to it, may have more to offer us on that. But I think that's pretty crazy, man. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to... Is this the interview that has it? Let me check. Did I pull up the right... Did I pull up the right interview? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and drop the link to that Nomura quote, the article that it came from, in both chats, just so you guys could see it for yourselves. Should you desire. Okay. Don't have much news left to show before we move into some Ever Crisis stuff. Because I do want to talk about Ever Crisis a little more. But this will be cool to show you guys. There was a... Uh, here, let me turn the audio back on. This little Halloween promotion at Ever Crisis with a Tonberry that I thought was cool. So got him just as happy Halloween nothing too crazy there nothing too crazy there let me fix this up a little bit make that a little bigger okay there was that there's a little stuff with young Sephiroth's model but maybe we'll say that for the end if we have time for some fluff because, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Sweet. All right. All right. Let's talk about Ever Crisis a little bit. Um, so the last time I did a podcast about Ever Crisis, you know, I talked about my first impressions with it and I had mostly positive things to say. Like, I think, yes, we are live, Jordan. We're happy to see you here, dearest Sage. Um, I had mostly positive things to say because I was just kind of taken by surprise at how good a game, genuinely how good of a game Ever Crisis just was. Um, I was expecting to get bored of it quickly, but I can tell you now what I told you then is that consistently it's a game I play once a day for 15 to 20 minutes. Admittedly, sometimes when I'm in the bathroom, but... 15 to 20 minutes of my day since this game's come out, I've just put into it. It's it's very seamless to pick up, play. Like I said, just put 15, 20 minutes into it. Because here's the thing, guys. The way Ever Crisis is structured, you're not going to be able to really binge to the end. You're not going to be really able to, like, beeline First Soldier all the way through. You have to do the enhancement quests, the weapon quests, the event quests... It organizes itself that, like, you can't just boot it up and beeline the first soldier story. It's just not going to work that way. Which I have to say is a bit of a criticism I have for the game. Not that the dungeons and all these other modes aren't fun to play as or engage with. It just seems like a little too much. It seems like I have to do. Too much. It seems like it feels like I'm side questing more than I'm main questing, and I think that's a problem. It feels like I'm side questing more than I'm main questing, and that in and of itself doesn't need to be a negative thing. But when all the quote unquote side questing feels pretty similar, right? 
it starts to blend together and it doesn't feel so much like a poignant experience rather than sort of like a drive-by experience. But, um, that said, you know, one of my other problems with it is I, I, you know, I, I talked up the combat a lot when I first talked about it. And I will say, I do think it's still good combat for you Kingdom Hearts fans. I think the combat's better than Union Cross's combat. That's kind of how Union Cross was. Yeah, that's what Union Cross was for me. You booted it up 10 minutes a day and just just played, you know? Um, but I'll say the combat does get kind of old. And I find myself putting it on auto more than I thought I would. By the way, shout out to Games Corner for these clips. Um, but the combat gets a little redundant. Uh, I, I would like to see them maybe add more than just tapping mechanics. You know, we talked about this in the Missing Link episodes. Is like, I don't want gameplay to be as simple as just tap. You know? Um, there is a fair bit of strategy you have to implement, and I think that's the combat strength, is actually the strategy. It kind of has its own stagger mechanic. You know, it's more, it's really about interrupting your opponent. So there's strategy mechanics like that that I really like. Um, but again, the combat can be a little bit redundant only because so much of the game is reliant on it. Eric the Dude says, that's probably my biggest criticism, to be honest. It would be better if the other modes were fun side content and not mandatory to get strong enough to get through the story. That's my issue with it. Yeah, Eric the Dude, that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's a good way to sum up what I'm trying to say. You know, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's imbalanced. I think I'm being made to do too much side content to move the main plots forward, right? Not just the First Soldier one, right? It's one thing because First Soldier is all new. If you wanted to make First Soldier really grueling to get through just because it's the new content, it's the new story, that I could understand. But even the Crisis Core and OGs can be tough to get through if, you know, you're not beefed up from playing all these other modes. FF7 Ever Crisis is a background game that you let autoplay while watching YouTube. It's an itch scratcher, not a flagship game. 100%. 100%. But I think that I think that while that's a service when it comes to getting plot summaries of Crisis Core and FF7, I think it's a disservice to First Soldier, which is completely new, fresh content. You know, it works for one part of the game, but doesn't work so much for the other. Now, Ever Crisis isn't as fun as FF7. Yeah, that's why. Like, if someone's like, oh, I've never played that. And that's another thing. That's another thing where, again, I want to be clear as I'm going into my criticisms here today. This is the best mobile game I think I've ever played. But it doesn't mean I don't have my, like I said, my big criticisms. You know, I'm kind of what Will's word in the chat. It says First Soldier should have been its own thing. I agree with that. And to be fair, they tried to do that, but they tried to do it as a fucking, like, Fortnite kind of game where it's like no ff7 fans don't want to play fortnite guys they don't but here's where i think and again i just want to reiterate because i don't want to come off too negative i think ever crisis is the best mobile game i ever played but with that said if somebody came to me and said hey i've never played the original final fantasy 7 should i play ever crisis instead i would tell them hell no i would tell them 
Hell no. I would tell them hell no. Because, you know, I think the plot summaries are serviceable. Don't get me wrong. I think they're doing a good job fleshing out the plot of the original and Ever Crisis. But the fact of the matter is, is OG FF7 is a better game than Ever Crisis. That's just the, that's my opinion. Anyone, anyone who else has played this, anybody else in the chat who's played OG FF7, I'm sorry. OG FF7 is just the better game. And that's not controversial. You have a mobile gotcha game versus an iconic RPG. But I guess my point is, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem for someone who wants to get into FF7 but missed out on the original. They can't skip out the original and play Ever Crisis instead. Rather, they can if all they want is story, but I think they have a better chance of just finishing OG FF7. OG FF7 had so much charm to it. Yeah, you know, it's not controversial to say it's the better game. I guess what I'm saying is Ever Crisis isn't good enough that I would advise somebody, that I would advise a newbie to play Ever Crisis and skip out on OG. So, let me try to think. Was there any... Any other large criticism I had? I feel like there was. I know I had another criticism. True, gotta have a copy of 7 around. It's very accessible. To be fair, Square Enix has made that a very accessible game. OG is a must-play in my opinion. That's my opinion now. I was holding out for Ever Crisis. I was holding out that maybe Ever Crisis could do a good enough job. That was always a pipe dream. Um. But yeah. OG is a must play. You are missing the point, I think. FF7 isn't for story. It just isn't. I think the first soldier is just a teaser for remake anyway. You mean ever like FF7 Ever Crisis isn't for story? Because that's not my impression when it comes to first soldier. That's not my impression when it comes to first soldier. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, yeah, okay, you did mean Ever Crisis. Maybe Rebirth uh, will cover all the first soldier? I just don't think it will. I think this will be our only exposure to the first soldier story. We might get a flashback or two, but I think we will end up reliant on ever crisis for the first soldier story. Okay. Speaking of which, I think it's time. I think it's time. Not being able to revive yourself with blue gems if you die in story quests like Union Cross is criminal. You could beat hard quests in Union Cross with that. I don't know why you can only revive in side quests. Well, this is my problem too. Is like there, don't get me wrong, the game operates as turn-based combat, but it doesn't be Glenn in Rebirth, Glenn is 100% gonna be in Rebirth. Glenn is 100% coming to Rebirth. And we will talk about that soon. Um But again. Another criticism I have is even with this sort of turn-based combat, with the auto-action combat, I don't feel like, how do I put this? Like, for instance, not being able to revive a downed teammate with a phoenix down or some other means, and I'm sure there'll be a materia for it, but there's stuff like not having phoenix downs where I'm like, this should feel this could feel a little bit more like FF7 with small touches like that, giving us Phoenix Downs and all the items we're so used to. Landy, I hope you're having a fun stream. Nami Che, I am. It's good to hear from you. 
Glenn, but not young Seth. I think Glenn is the guy in the hoodie. I think Glenn is the guy in the hoodie, which, all right. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, If you are not looking to get spoiled on First Soldier stuff, if you are not looking to get spoiled on First Soldier or um, anything with the young Sephiroth scenario, now would be a good time to leave the podcast and come watch it another day. Because we're going to talk about this new chapter because I think it's in, I think it's ama- I don't want to say amazing. I, I think it's potentially amazing what it could do for the FF7 story. And now I am all ears when it comes to First Soldier. Umbra says, what is that Ever Crisis scene with Sephiroth trying to call Genesis? Is that actually in the game or just a cool flashy scene made for trailers? We are going to talk about that, Umbra. We are going to talk about that, Umbra. That's what we're talking about here today. We're going to get into exactly that. We're not messing around. All right. First Soldier should have been a standalone game. If it flopped, the story would have been hot. Yeah, no, this this could have been its own game. Let's just put it there. Oh, tell me more. Oh, I will. I will, dude. I most certainly will. All right. All right. We're going to go through this. There's a few things here I want to talk about. So we're going to go through this. So first, let's actually talk about this trio a little more. You know, I didn't give too many thoughts on them during the first uh, podcast we did on this just because I felt like I hadn't played enough First Soldier stuff. I will say this. I love Glenn. Glenn is awesome. Glenn is awesome. Easily the best of the trio. I actually hope Glenn is in Rebirth. I really, really hope that's him in the trailer because he is so enjoyable and and just so much fun. Like, he kind of, to me, he's almost like if you combined Jack from Strangers of Paradise and Sora. He's just so much fun. Lucia, I like Lucia a lot. I like her a lot. She's got a, she's got a, I love a woman with an attitude. That's always fun. I kind of like that she's sort of like the sharpshooter because we sort of Hawkeye vibes from Full Metal. But I got to be honest, Matt bores me to tears. Matt, the professor, bores me to tears. And maybe that's the point. But even if a character's trope is that they're boring, you have to make that boring fun. You have to make that boring enjoyable. So I just want to say, Matt, to me, is might be one, one of the most boring characters in FF7. Lucia is fun, simple, got an enjoyable trope. Glenn, I'm Team Glenn all day, baby. I'm Team Glenn all day. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's let this roll a little bit. There's some stuff here I wanted to discuss. Primarily, uh, Young Sephiroth, we have to talk about. So, Young Sephiroth technically meets up with them in Chapter 4, and we we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but just to recap, he kind of shows up, he's sort of this, he, he solves, like, they're being ambushed, he's able to handle the ambush single-handedly, he's confident, he's poised, like, he knows he's good at what he does, you know what I mean? That's our young Sephiroth as we were introduced to him in the last episode. 
Now, what we learn about Sephiroth, young Sephiroth, right? And let me just speak a little bit more broadly about FF7 and, and Sephiroth in particular. One of the things that Crisis Core really did for Sephiroth that was good was it humanized him. Because that's the thing. Sephiroth, I'm going to go on a tangent. So just be ready, guys. Sephiroth is a tragedy. He can't be redeemed. That's the tragic thing about him, is he can't be redeemed. What else is tragic about him is he never stood a chance, right? So he's the offspring of Hojo and Lucrezia. When he's in the womb, Lucrezia is pregnant with him. They inject him with Genova cells. Now keep in mind, Genova is an alien virus. So Sephiroth wasn't even born a human. Is he part human? Absolutely. But he's also part whatever Genova is. So from day one, coming out the womb, he was poisoned with that virus. He was infected is a better way to put it. Yes, Genova's golden boy, absolutely. But he never stood a chance. He was injected with those Genova cells and in a sense was born a monster. Now, Crisis Core, I mean, through OG, we see that play out, especially through the flashbacks. Crisis Core shows us who Sephiroth was before the flashbacks. And he had friends. You know, he had friends. And he wanted to make sacrifices for those friends. Like when Genesis was degrading, Sephiroth wanted to be the donor. He was eager to be the donor. You know? But because of him being injected with the Genova cells, he couldn't be the donor. Like, that's what, that's what a tragedy he is. He's like, even when he wants to help his friend, for circumstances he didn't even choose, he can't help his friend. He's unable to help his friend. So Crisis Core humanized him because you saw that like even though he was Shinra's puppet, even though he's this war criminal and was made to do heinous things in the Wutai War, he was still a normal guy with friends and a heart and, and love. Like he loved Genesis and Angeal based on the way he was acting. You know, of course, he's always been arrogant and pompous and has that side to him too. But Crisis Core showed us the human in him, which was nice. What First Soldier does is we're watching him become human. Here in First Soldier, it's very obvious he was sheltered to the point he doesn't even know what it's like to interact with humans. And he mentions that here, uh, or maybe in the scene before, is that this is his, his, his outing here with Glenn, Lucia, and Matt. This is his first outing with teammates. He's never been sent out with teammates. He mentions that he doesn't get to interact with other human beings much. Like he's literally just a weapon that they keep in the closet and pull out whenever they need. And he's this young, it's complying and super sad. It is super sad. He's this young like boy who he wants to do good. He wants to do a good job. He wants to do good work, but he's being isolated from other people. He doesn't get to go on out on missions with other teammates until he's like a teenager here, like 15, 16. He doesn't know how to interact with them. Like, that's the other thing too, is like his social skills are just terrible. Like, just barely, barely human in some ways. And not in a not in the sense that he's bad, you know? But like, he's not rich with the human experience right? He was born in Shinra's arms and just bred to be this weapon that they kept away from other people. He's a tragedy. 
and he turns into an irredeemable monster, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't a tragedy or wasn't redeemable when he was young. Anyway, that tangent aside, let's let this keep going. Okay, they show up. Oh, and he, so he whistles. So this is a big thing coming too. So like he whistles for them to come over. He whistles to like gather them up. And Glenn gets really mad at him. Like, don't you freaking whistle at me, bro. Like literally, like very, very like locker room kind of who's the alpha kind of conversation between the two. Like, don't you whistle at me, dude, or I'll knock you out. And you'll see here, like Sephiroth's like, I, I didn't know it was rude to whistle. I, like, he genuinely just doesn't know. And that's the other thing, too, that you learn about Sephiroth is that he's dealing with, in a sense, discrimination among his peers. Like, Glenn calls him a cyborg because he knows about the human experimentation that's elevating Sephiroth's combat abilities. So he calls him a cyborg. Like, you're not a human like us. You're a cyborg. So even when Sephiroth gets to go out on missions with other people... He gets put in a box. But anyway, let's uh, let's keep it going. This is Ever Crisis. Yes, it is. Oh, Shaw Brothers asked. Yes, this is Ever Crisis, the first Soldier episodes. So let's let this roll. Take note of this dialogue right here. You're just a punk cyborg kid, but I'll accept that the higher-ups appointed you the great hero as our new leader. That said... If you whistle it around us up again, I'll kick your ass. Which I love, right? Because, like, Glenn was sort of the leader of the crew before he showed up. And now this kid, like, half his age shows up and is, like, not bossing him around but telling him what to do. Like, he would react this way. But that's part of what makes Glenn enjoyable. But anyway, like, think about what that's like to be like Sephiroth. Yeah, you're the golden child of Shinra, but all your peers kind of hold it against you. Call you a punk-ass cyborg kid. But anyway, as I was saying, let's let this keep rolling. See how he hangs his head? He says, so where we're going? And I believe at this point, Sephiroth directs them. Now let's move up forward a little bit. And like, here's the thing. And like, this is actually what took me by surprise in a lot of ways. And honestly, I'll let the music play. I'll let the music play. I don't know why I have it muted. The music's nice. But check this out. I apologize for the whistling. I didn't realize it was rude. So this really took, and I want to hand it to them. I want to hand it to the people directing the um, the storyboarding and the scripting here. Because when I was playing through this, I thought Sephiroth was being pompous. Because he plays it very stoically. He plays it very quietly. So when he did that whistle thing, I thought he was being stoic. But this caught me off guard when he was like, I apologize for the whistling. I didn't realize it was rude. Because even though the Sephiroth and Crisis Core is humanized, he wouldn't apologize for this. The Crisis Core Sephiroth would not apologize for whistling. He would just tease you and like poke at you more. But here he is, which is very peculiar. Let's keep it rolling. Glenn says it's fine. I haven't had many opportunities to interact with people. In fact, this is my first field assignment and there's a lot I don't know. And again, it's not that he's just, you know, being sheltered in this way, in a way that he isn't quite as sheltered in Crisis Core and OG, but it's like he's being really apologetic and vulnerable, which again, by the time we get to Crisis Core, that part of him has been vanquished. 
So it's just crazy to see what a metamorphosis, metamorphosis and transformation this character is going through. But anyway, let's keep this going. Len says you're first what now, but you're a hero. No, I'm not. It's all a lie. The company's changing their recruitment policy and looking to hire people with adequate potential to become soldiers. They've made me the face of the program and manufactured achievements to sell me as this great hero I'm not. And what's so great about this, what is so great about this is this persists all the way into Crisis Core, right? Because remember, they call Sephiroth the hero of the Wu-Tai War, but they liken his achievements to what Zack actually did in Crisis Core. When Zack goes on his mission into Wu-Tai and what he accomplishes there gets accredited to Sephiroth. So this is just something that persists over the course of the entire FF7 compilation. But let's keep this going. And I'm so with you, the Shaw brothers. Give Sephiroth his own game. Seriously. I don't buy it, not with the way you fight. But if what you say is true, now's your chance to become a real hero. We'll help you out. And that's what's great. But I don't want to be a hero. Good news, Sephiroth. You won't be. But let's keep it going. Then what is it you want to be when you grow up? Come on, tell Uncle Glenn. I just want to live a normal life. Dude. I'm not even trying to be funny right now. But if they give Sephiroth part, like, a I'm not even trying to be funny. They give him, like, a Rapunzel arc. I think that would be incredible. In the sense that he's locked up in this tower, Shinra Tower, and he looks out, on the, out onto the world. And all he wants is to just be a part of that world. To see Sephiroth sit here, who has been sheltered from Shinra, made into this weapon, poster child, made into this hero. And for him to just stand there and say, I just want to live a normal life. He's not only heartbreaking, it's perfect. Because as I mentioned, right? Sephiroth is the ultimate tragedy in the sense that he never stood a chance. He just wants to live a normal life. Sephiroth, that was denied to you from the time you were in the womb. From the second they injected those Genova cells into him when he was a fetus, he was denied this desire to live a normal life. I love this. I really do. I think this makes Sephiroth a deeper character, and it doesn't invalidate who he becomes in Crisis Core in the same way Crisis Core does not invalidate who he becomes in the original. This is awesome, dude. This is awesome. Let me see what the chat's going on. How does he know what a normal life is? Honestly, because he works like norm, because normal people work for Shinra, right? Remember in Remake, a big part of Remake's plot was showing you that like, yes, yeah, Shinra might be this evil corporation with these crazy like alien cyborg human hybrid soldiers that attack neighboring nations for conquest. But there's also just normal people who work there, like the Shinra middle manager. 
it's very possible Sephiroth's found time to talk to one of them or talk to the Shinra grunts and they find out, oh, they have an apartment in the slums or on top of the plate and they have a wife and kids and stuff like that. Like when you say, Lindsay, when you ask, how does he know what a normal life is? There's going to be a moment later that really lays it out. So we'll get in that. Fola says, I low-key feel bad for the Sephiroth. Me too. And I think that's the point. And I think that's great. Make me feel for Sephiroth so that the tragedy that he becomes hurts me even more. Landy, post when you play Ever Crisis. I've been thinking about streaming Ever Crisis. But the problem is I can only play it for like 20 minutes. It's not something I can sit down and play for like two hours. This is so unreal. I never thought I'd see Sephiroth like this. I never thought I'd see who Sephiroth was growing up as a kid. But it's good to see that like he was a kid with normal desires, you know? Do you think in new Final Fantasy players will get to play as kid Sephiroth? No, I don't think Rebirth will allow us to do that. I don't think so. But I, I think this is, I really think this is great stuff. Again, if they redeem Sephiroth, as in you get to the end of FF7 Rebirth and, and he's the hero and he's the good guy and he's going to beat Genova and he's going to save the planet and he's going to rescue the ancients, that would be, that would be awful. I'm not going to lie. That's a tough sell. It would probably be awful. But enhancing the tragedy that Sephiroth is by not redeeming him but showing that he was once redeemable, that hurts. You feel that. All right, let's let this keep going. And you see that? Nothing. It's never going to happen anyway. Like, he doesn't even have hope. Like, he, to a degree, understands what he is. He's a weapon. I like Glenn. You get to see Glenn's soft side, too. Anyway, I apologize for the whistling. It won't happen again. Gives him, gives him the old attaboy. Moving on. Here they really just talk about the live stream. You know, nothing, nothing really crazy about here. Although this is a funny moment because they mention how um, the live stream contains like all memories as uh, like in a sense so glenn is like apologizing for all the shit he did as a kid which again this is the kind of stuff that just makes glenn so enjoyable but let's move this forward a little bit okay crazy stuff crazy stuff there's something i want to ask Lindsay, Lindsay brown you paying attention here we go There's something I want to ask. Here we go. Do you know this woman? Bro! Bro! Let me tell you why I'm freaking. May not be obvious at first glance. Okay. Chat, all you FF7 buffs in the chat. All you FF7 buffs in the chat. All you FF7 buffs in the chat. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, we knew that Sephiroth was told that his mother's name was Genova. We never knew that he had a picture of Lucrezia. So again, for those who may not be up to speed, Lucrezia, the woman in this picture, is Sephiroth's biological mother. And again, it's my understanding that we always knew, we always knew that Sephiroth knew Genova's name but didn't have a picture of Lucrezia. You know what I'm saying? This is the first time we're really hearing, hey, yo, kitties and middies dropping in here with a party of eight. What is going on, everyone? Make sure you're following kitties and middies. She just raided us over on Twitch with a party of eight. Can we get a shout out for kitties and middies? What's she been playing? What's she been playing? How are you? I hope you're good, kitties. It's good to hear from you. And yeah, guys, Hojo's a real son of a bitch, man. Like, so again, here's the thing. The manipulation of Sephiroth. The manipulation. To tell him his mother's name's Genova, but then show him the face of Lucrezia. Persona 5 Royal, where are we up to? I gotta know. So think about that. So like, Genova isn't like really his mother. Genova's his mother in the sense that he has some Genova cells. You know? Is there a single person who likes Hojo? Apparently Lucrezia. But this is his biological mother. And he's been shown her face, but been given the wrong name. Like, this is what's crazy. And I want to know where this leads. Where does this lead? Like, when he sees Genova in the Nibelheim reactor... Does he think it's this woman or has he figured it out? I'm pretty sure he's figured it out, but this adds a whole other layer to it now. I'm in Mementos investigating. I just romanced Sumire too. How nice. How nice. And now you, you know who she is. It's my favorite theory right now, but I keep missing Landy. You should take it and pass it along. Take your thumb and put it over the top hair bun. I don't get it. I'm doing that right now. I don't know what I should be looking for. Vincent's supposed to be his stepdaddy for real. But anyway, Sephiroth having this picture to me is a big deal. And I love her even more. I mean, how could you not? But Sephiroth having this picture is a big deal. He knows what his biological mother looks like. Actually, Genova is the biological mother. Lucrezia was just the surrogate mother. No, I think that's... Sephiroth was literally in Lucrezia's womb. Like, Sephiroth has her DNA. Like, that's where he gets his hair from. If that's what you were trying to get at. She looks like Stella from Versus 13. Oh my god, she does. Yeah, if you, if you cover the bun, you're right. Genova is a monster. She can't have kids. Yeah, she can only infect you. You know what I mean? Yeah, she is the biological mom. Genova was like a DNA injection. But it's crazy, dude. It's crazy that he has this picture. Because now, now, because that's the other thing too, right? Obviously with Sephiroth, there's the whole, you always have the uh, the whole mother motif. 
that's going on with Genova. Mother, let's take the planet back together. But now what you're seeing here is from the time he was a kid, he's always had this longing to find his mom or to learn about who his mom is and was. He's always had this... And like Lindsay, what we talked about earlier, this is his idea of a normal life. He's just having a mom. You know what I mean? And that would explain why Sephiroth killed Cloud's mom in front of him, in a sense. Right? Because he's like, I'm going to take from you what was always taken from me. You know, him having this longing from a young age and having this photograph, it does so much for Sephiroth's, like, depth. And here he is asking these near-complete strangers, hey, do you know this woman? Hey, do you know this woman? Like, he's so desperate. He, it's like, he's clinging to it like it's his only hope. Let's let it keep going. She's beautiful, which she is. Lucrezia is a beautiful woman. She's just a total screw-up. She's just a total screw-up. She's a hot mess. That's what she is. Sephiroth's mom is a hot mess. Sephiroth's mom has got it going on. Sephiroth's mom has got it going on. But anyway, let's keep it going. She's my mother. You don't remember seeing or even meeting her? No, can't say I do. Yeah, they're not going to know, dude. They're not going to know. And then you have this part right here, right? Professor Hojo gave me this picture, but he wouldn't tell me anything about her. He would only say the wrong name so that Sephiroth would associate the name Genova with Mother. Like, Hojo was a conniving, 4D chess-playing son of a bitch. Like, holy hell. To give him that picture. And then just to... It's so conniving. It's so conniving. Oh, boy. He's like a little lost boy looking for his mom in the park. Kevin, you're so right. Have you seen my mom? Like, legit, have you seen my mom? Have you seen my mom? Crazy shit. Fuck Hojo. Dude, fuck Hojo. He created this mess. I know going around asking about my mother isn't cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even he put that. That's what everyone said. The poor dude. Anyway, let's move on. This is all just a battle. Don't think there's anything too crazy for us here. Again, we could talk about the Redorans and talk about First Soldier as a whole, but I really just want to focus on Sephiroth right now. Because we are going to talk about... We are going to talk about Rosen. We are going to talk about Rosen. Umbra, you're going to want to be around for that. Hojo is the Donzo of FF7. Nah, at least Donzo had honor. You know what I mean? At least Don... Like, I see what you're saying, Fola. But at least Donzo was doing what he thought was best for the village. You know what I mean? He was wrong. Fundamentally. But he truly believed he was doing what was best for the village. Wait, why is he looking for her? I thought in 7 he said she died. I think he's just looking for information on her. I think he's desperate. He's desperate to find out about who he is and where he comes from. That's why in OG, he, he falls into the rabbit hole. Because he's always had this, 
this desire to know more about himself and where he came from. Okay, everything here we'll talk about a little bit more. Let's move it along. Oh, geez, we're already at an hour? Oh, boy. Okay. We've been up. They split up. Sephiroth's got a little bit of personality. That's the thing, too. That's the thing, too, that I really liked, too. Just good writing, in my opinion. So, like, Sephiroth kept referencing the cyborg comment that Glenn said, kind of showing that it really stung, but that he's trying to work with it. Again, just thought that was cool. Just wanted to bring it up. Ooh, this is good, too. This is a good scene, too. So we got to see the sort of soft side of Sephiroth in those earlier scenes. We got to see his softer side. Hope you guys are ready to see his darker side. And I like the contrast that they brought up. Check it out. Hold on. First, I think we got something in the chat. All right. Here we go. So they split up. Now, these are the Redorans. I think I'm saying that right. The Redorans. Shinra basically wants to take this island and put a reactor on it. Now, just as a recap, before they got to this island, um, before they got to this island, Glenn, Matt, and Lucia were on another island with this guy named Rosen, who's one of the Redorans, part of this tribe. He lives on that island alone with his dog. And in a sense, even though he knew what Glenn, Matt, and Lucia were doing, he didn't stop them or get in his way. He kind of had a very fatalistic attitude about it, like what will be, will be. You know, he's just, it's not his job to stand in their way. Now we're going to talk about Rosen, because I actually think Rosen's going to be very important. If anyone is important coming from First Soldier, it's going to be Glenn, and it's going to be um, Rosen. I think it's possible Matt and Lucia die at the end of First Soldier, and then it'll really just be left to Glenn and Rosen to be the important characters. But we're going to get into that. Here's Sephiroth, pretty much just took out all of Rosen's tribe. Here's what he has to say for himself. They were trying to evacuate anyone who couldn't fight. The shadows you were chasing were just a diversion. Was all this really necessary? So here they are kind of saying like, hey man, did you really have to kill all of them? Like maybe you went overboard. Matt's here saying, you know, maybe we could have captured the Redorans. And Sephiroth's like, our assignment is to eradicate the remaining Redorans, not to get their permission to build a reactor. Being business is business, you know? Here comes that cold Sephiroth. It's still there. And now he says, you're hurt, but how? He notices the wound on Sephiroth's arm. And Sephiroth says, this was the work of the kids, as you call them. Their movements were deliberate and precise, which tells me they've received military instruction. You mistakenly assume the children and elderly were weaker than you simply because of their age. People make assumptions about me too, and I strive every day to prove them wrong. So again, I love that because it explains why Sephiroth didn't take mercy on them just because they're kids or just because they're older. Because he kind of believes in this notion of like, hey, there's more to people than what meets the eye. Just like there's more to me than meets the eye, that goes for all these kids too. Twilight Blaze is in the house. What's up, my dude? Thanks for coming. In the course of my training, I've learned that to be a good soldier, you need to be strong in body, mind, and heart. 
a well-trained body, sharp mind, and a hardened heart, one ruthless and unwavering and devoid of hesitation. So there you have it. Like, that's what Shinra's putting in his head. That's what you have to remember. What he just recited right there, that's what Shinra's putting in his head. He wants to learn more about his mom. He wants to spend time with other people. But these are the kind of things Shinra has been putting in his head since he was a kid. A soldier led by their emotions is second rate or rather dated. They have no business being on the battlefield. Out here, the only way to survive is to kill them before they kill you. Showing you that like Shinra's attitude is that human compassion is a weakness in war. That normal soldiers who might hesitate or have compassion or mercy are flawed and outdated. Shinra believes the way forward is to create cold, calculating, heartless soldiers that kill before they think. That was their vision for Sephiroth, Angeal, Genesis, and yes, even Zack. Keep it moving. And I love this, man. I love this. My boy Glenn just gives him a hug, dude. Because he needs a hug. I bet you that this is the only time Sephiroth will ever get hugged in his life. I like this. Glenn basically tells him he has nothing to prove. And actually tells him to show compassion. Actually tells him he'd be better off showing compassion. Where he says, I'm not a cyborg. Again, referencing that line. Like it shows you how much it hurt him. It's like, it's like a truth he doesn't want to accept. Like I'm not heartless. I'm not a machine. I'm not just a weapon. I'm not a cyborg. Like, dude, I feel for Sephiroth here, man. I feel... Uncle Glenn is here for you. Yeah, Uncle Glenn, baby. I love Uncle Glenn. I love Uncle Glenn, dude. I'm all for Glenn and Rebirth. I never wanted to be. See, I never wanted to be. Again, the, the idea that Sephiroth never wanted any of this. He never wanted to be a weapon, a cyborg, a hero. He didn't want that. It, it, it sounds really childish, but it's actually really sad. Sephiroth just wants his mom. He just wants a normal life. He wanted to be a kid on the playground. He wants to be a teenager in some shitty high school somewhere. Damn. Let's keep it going. I would generally lose it for some FF Worlds and Kingdom Hearts. Me too, dude. 100%. All right, what's left? So here they are. They talk about Rosen, right? How there's the white smoke, and the white smoke in the distance means he's still alive. So they're teasing here at the end of this chapter that Sephiroth and Rosen are gonna meet, dude. After Sephiroth just slaughtered almost his entire tribe. What game is this? This is Ever Crisis, FF7 Ever Crisis, the first soldier episodes. And there's Rosen. See, kind of like Sephiroth, right? You're seeing, you're starting to see these parallels between Rosen and Sephiroth, right? Rosen is sort of isolated and on his own. Been a while since I've talked to anyone. Sephiroth is isolated and on his own. 
they're going to meet, they're teasing the fact they're going to meet, and they're showing us how they're similar. And I'll tell you, Umbra, Umbra, I hope you're watching. I hope you're watching, Umbra, because we're going to answer your questions. Yo, if Sephiroth touches this dog, I'm going to, I'll, I'll freaking kill him myself. Amazing. When all the Redorans on this island are gone, Rosen will be the last to remain. Kind of like the let, and again, I think this is actually a parallel to Aerith as well, with her being the last remaining ancient. You know, being the last of your tribe, being the only of your tribe. I think that's a new thing they're building in too. Is this idea that like you could be the only of your tribe in the way that like Sephiroth is really the only Genova offspring. Uh, Rosen is the only Redoran left. Aerith is the only ancient left. Again, self-preservation is a big thing too. Like Genova, you know, it's a, a you know a lot of the villains in Final Fantasy come down to self-preservation, you know. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, let's talk. Take note of the dialogue and take note of this. Red two, yes. Red 13 2! That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Hold on. Do I have the output? Okay. So check this out. Let's dial this back a little. There's two kinds for their own good. It's going to get them killed today. You have to. There he is. There's Rosen. So do you guys see that? You guys see that? Young Sephiroth. Whose lives are Okay, so what is this is what I kind of wanted to muse on. What does that mean? Now, if this is the question, is this happening at the end of First Soldier? Or is this happening? when they go to the island. Because I don't see Matt. I don't see uh, Lucia. I don't see Glenn. It's just Sephiroth and Rosen. And shit seems to be hitting the fan. So he says, they're too kind for their own good. Going to get them killed one day. Okay, no. He's talking about Glenn, Matt, and Lucia. You have to choose whose lives are important to you. So he has to make a choice. Probably between those three and somebody or something else. Maybe something Shinra related. Video audio is a tad loud. Okay, let me let me dial that back then. But no, let me see what you guys think about that. I swear they're making him into Xehanort. It feels like they're just accepting his role as the bad guy. I don't know. I don't see... I don't see too many parallels with Sephiroth and, and Xehanort. Technically, isn't Cloud the only successful experiment? Technically, Zack and Cloud, but Cloud teeters on the edge as successful and unsuccessful. He smacked them up off screen for Genova. Who knows? Who knows? 
Svet, maybe deep ground. Could be deep ground. Could be deep ground. Could be something Turks related. Although this predates the Turks. Let's see. <laughs> LMAO shitty high school, yeah. Glenn has to be the guy in the cloak in the FF7 trailer. He does. It has to be him. There's no way it's not him. There's no way it's not him. Sephiroth is so innocent in this scene. An innocent, pure mouse. In a sense, like, even in his misdeeds, there's a bit of an innocence to him in the sense that he just doesn't know better. All right. Now we're 15 minutes. I got to run to the little FF7 room and refill my waters. Um, since we're coming up on an hour and a half, drop in any remaining questions you guys may have in the chat. Uh, I know I've covered everything I wanted to cover coming into this now that we got up to this part. But if there's anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up, drop it in the chat. But while you wait, enjoy this walk with Kobe. Excuse me, wrong one. We are back. Thanks for waiting, everybody. All right, let's see what you guys are musing on. I also have a couple of announcements before we wrap up today. It's going to be a big weekend for the Lodge. It's going to be a big weekend for the Lodge. Welcome back. Thank you. Z what is this? Is it Z-A inverse? Zai inverse? Which one? Tell me how to pronounce your name. I want to make sure I pronounce it right. Okay. Let's scroll up a little bit, see where this started. 
Okay. Landy, what is your thoughts on young Sephiroth not being old Sephiroth and a brand new character? Remake slash Rebirth Sephiroth arguably isn't OG Sephiroth either. Um, Just like Z? Okay, Z inverse. I gotcha. Perfect. Um, I don't think they're separate. I think it's all one Sephiroth. I do. I think it's all one Sephiroth. That would be my opinion. Will's word. My big question. To what scale do you think we should shall delve into Sephiroth's true intentions? I think we better dive all the way in. As far as FF7 is concerned. is like, if we're going to do this whole trilogy after freaking 25 years, they better leave no stone unturned. The Owain. Landy, Kevin is right. First Soldier is 100% ending with young Sephiroth traveling to the future slash rebirth. You think so? Do you really think so? That would be crazy, guys. That would be crazy. I won't lie. If we have two Sephiroths, one trying to stop himself, I don't know. I don't buy it. I could be wrong. I just don't buy it. What's more, once Rebirth comes out, what scale do you believe the Knights of the Round shall play? I don't think we'll see Knights of the Round in Rebirth. But I think Knights of the Round are going to be mandatory in the third game. I think it'll be a mandatory part of the gameplay as opposed to something optional. So I think Knights of the Round will be, again, a mandatory part of the third installment. Nowhere to be found in the second. Ayo, Bambina! Ayo! Hold up! Bambina has rated us with a party of 37 on Twitch. Can we get a shout-out for Bambina, please? Can we get a shout-out for Bambina, please? Holy! Well, welcome in, Raiders. Welcome to the Landy Lodge. Uh, listen, we're, we're pretty much all about RPGs here. If you're new here, you're not used to what we do here. We play RPGs. We do podcasts about RPGs. Uh, eventually, we'll branch... Uh, not eventually. Occasionally, we'll branch out into fighting games or something else like that. But look, if you like Kingdom Hearts, if you like Final Fantasy, if you like Persona, stuff like that, this is where you want to be. We're talking FF7 today. If you're a friend of Bambina, I'm sure you'll be a friend of mine. She's awesome. Bambina, thank you so much. I see Xander's here, Folzy, Peach Beach, whole squad. Welcome to the most organized chaos podcast. That's the best way to put it. If I had to rename it, if I had to rename it, we would be the organized chaos podcast. Honestly, my life is organized chaos in a very good way. In a very, very good way. All right, let's keep this rolling. Talked about Knights of the Round. Lindsey Brown says, uh, I lost you. I read on Yahoo News, of all things, that Nomura was wondering why fans like Sephiroth so much. You know, we actually covered that exact quote and that exact uh, interview earlier in the episode. Um, I think part of the reason he's fascinated is like, you guys don't even know Sephiroth the way we know Sephiroth. And now they're finally showing us everything about his upbringing. You know, I think he's just amazed that people fell in love with the character so much without knowing everything, which is a good thing. The Lodge is comfy, but organized chaos is very relatable. Oh, I bet. I bet. Miyu says, just got here and recovering from little sleep after my recent Japan trip. Have I missed a lot on the stream? I mean, not as much as we all missed out on with you being in Japan. How is that, Miyu? 
How was that? I, I hope you had the time of your life. I really do. I hope you had the time of your life. And I'm jealous. I'm, uh, uh, I have a benign envy for your trip to Japan. Um, people who really fuck with the Lodge will know that reference. Anyway, uh, yeah, you've missed quite a bit. We've talked a lot about FF7. Quite a lot. Blake Husky says, I think Sephiroth's about to pull an FF16 and boss and get all his bodies from the other games. God, I hope not. God, I hope not. Before Crisis Sephiroth shows up? Come on. Also, weapon thoughts? You, do you mean about the weapons waking up earlier than they should? Is that what you mean, Will's word? Young Seph should break his chains and help Cloud and Zack fight old Sephiroth in FF7 Remake 3 Final Battle. You know, I'm not saying they can't pull something like that off. It's just not what I would want to see, ideally. Because I think Sephiroth is the most iconic RPG villain of all time. And I think if you remake the FF7 trilogy, it's to amplify his presence as a villain and not to pull him over to being a good guy. I think that would sour the character. But that's my opinion. It's just my opinion. All right. All right. Uh, Lindsey Brown says, I think it's going to end on a faux happy ending with young Sephiroth meeting Angeal and Genesis. I would love that. Maybe he loses he loses some friends in battle, but he makes these new friends. Maybe he makes up for it. Will's Word says, also, let me know when you plan to have that talk about FF10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk FF10 soon. Dex Holder Red says, I feel like Dex Holder Red. That's a Pokemon name. Or is that just a coincidence? I feel like talking about timeline and future versions of the characters in FF7 is hard because I think there's another option to explain what's happening. I'm with you, Dex. Is like, I don't want to roll with anything that isn't quite a fact. You know, like when it comes to world lines, timelines, those are all possibilities when it comes to the world of FF7. But we don't know for sure exactly what's going on. Again, whether it's a timeline, world line, whether it's a grandfather loop paradox, there's so many options, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself before we know. Okay. Sephiroth should must show up as a secret boss in KH4. Absolutely. I'm all for that. And honestly, they're trying to promote FF7 any way they can. So I think a, a, a Kingdom Hearts 4 Sephiroth secret boss, I think is pretty likely. I think that's pretty likely. Okay. Miyu says, Japan was amazing. Definitely the best thing I've ever done. Went to Disney and everything. Bought a lot of FF7 and KH stuff. That is so cool. That is, so, I'm so happy for you. I really am. I really am. My wife and I want to go to Japan one day, um, but we know it's not until the future. Because if we go to Japan, it's going to be like a two-week trip, and we can't bear to be separated from our dog for two weeks. That is, that is, that's asking too much of us. Okay. Waiting for the Genesis Kino to kick in this trilogy. Uh, I think Genesis will be back in one way or another. They have plans for him. Yeah, Sephiroth getting any type of redemption would be lame. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree. I think him redeeming himself is stupid. I think showing us that he was once redeemable adds depth 
to his tragedy. And I believe that's what they're doing with all this First Soldier Ever Crisis stuff. Okay. That's a Pokemon Adventures reference. Based. Oh, baby. It's an old username based on my interest in Pokemon Adventures from when I was young. Oh, yeah, look at that. Umbra called it out. Those recent interviews are super sus. He's coming. I just know it. Genesis? Wait, was there something evident? Was there something interview related about Genesis? Umbra. Umbra. Are you holding out on me? Nothing shall forestall his return. I know. That has to be his first lines, right? Like when Gen- when slash if Genesis comes back, his first line should be, even if the morrow is barren of promises, nothing shall forestall my return. Come on. I was there for two and a half weeks, but I completely understand about the dog thing. I miss mine so much, and her reaction when I got home yesterday was the best. That must be so nice. Uh, I can imagine she was ecstatic, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could be away from Kobe for two weeks. I, I love I love him so much. But who knows? Maybe for Japan I could. And if he had the if he had a good babysitter that I knew could take care of him, like if my brothers maybe babysat him, then maybe we could make that work. Lanny, does replica Riku ruin Riku or Roxas ruin Ven? Maybe, but it's what Square does. I see your point. I see your point. If it indeed was like a different Sephiroth, quote-unquote, that makes it better, it's still not what I would hope for. Crisis Core Reunion being a thing extremely hints towards Genesis being a key player in Remake. In Rebirth, rather. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think I think even more than Reunion, I think him being the last shot in Dirge of Cerberus and Dirge of Cerberus being a big part of the Remake DLC... I think would hint a lot at Genesis. Doesn't Dio Dirge of Service end with Genesis? I just brought that up. Exactly. Oh no, not Loveless again. Yeah. Listen, Loveless is going nowhere. I love I love the the whole um the whole Loveless metaphor. Agreed. To be honest, I can't even look at young Sephiroth without holding the grudges I have against OG Sephiroth. Exactly. That's why it couldn't work. That's why it couldn't work. You'll need to use a translator for this interview. We could do it. We could do it. We'll be fine. I got that translator plug-in, baby. This, okay, this part is what you specifically saw. Okay. Let's do this, then. Let's pull this up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa! What? <laughs> oh god wait till you guys see this look at this loveless is a script for ff7 after all it 100 percent is kitase was asked about genesis and vincent by the way shout out to shinra archaeology department shout out to them um kitase was asked about genesis and vincent in ff7 rebirth kitase says he can't say anything about Genesis. As for Vincent, Kitase chose his look and name in FF7, so he's a really important character to him and says fans will discover interesting things about him. Ooh, we're going to learn a little bit more about Vincent. Get to know the dirge of it all. But, uh, okay, look. 
there's two angles and I have the article itself. This is from, I'll drop that in the chat. Actually, no, Umber already did. Thankfully. Um, there's two ways to look at this. One, there is licensing and NDAs when it comes to Genesis because he's based on Gact, who is an idol star in Japan. So it's very possible the reason Katase can't say anything is because there's very tight copyright laws around Genesis and anything revolving around him. <laughs> However, there's no way for Crisis Core Reunion to be remastered the way it was without Square Enix navigating those copyright laws and licensing agreements. So the sheer fact that Katase shared nothing about Genesis, he's coming, dude. He's coming, dude. He's coming, dude. Come on. Even if the morrow is barren of promises, nothing shall forestall my return. Can't say anything is always sus. Yeah, you could always just refuse to answer the question, right? Exactly, which is a shame. Gact is an amazing artist, but yeah, copyrights are why we haven't gotten Xenogears back. Yeah, I mean, listen, man. Cover your ass. Cover your ass whenever it comes to legal agreements, man. Actually, everyone seeing him as OG Seth and having to deal with that while still being a hero is just as good storytelling, in my opinion. Everyone seeing him as OG Seth and having to deal with that while still being a hero. It, it could... It definitely, it's an impressive hurdle to be conquered if it ends up that way. What if Gak wants to voice and act Genesis once more? I wouldn't be against it. Per se. Copyrights with Square is starting to break apart, it seems. Genesis was able to return in Crisis Core. Reunion and Xenogears are two official music covers in just the past couple days. Hey. It, you know, because things run out over time. Like, those things do have an expiration date at the at the end of the day. So, nothing lasts forever, as they say. All right. But with that said, we are chilling at an hour and 33 minutes. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Actually, no, before we wrap it up. Before we wrap it up. Hold on. Before we wrap it up. Hang with me, everybody. Got a little bit of an announcement. I made it on the last episode, but it's worth reiterating here. So let me just pull this up on the screen real quick. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is the Landy Lodge five-year anniversary. So tomorrow, I will be live for 12 hours celebrating... Our five-year anniversary. A lot has changed in five years. We've grown a lot in five years. I've had a lot of fun over these five years, and we're only just getting started. Only just getting started. B. Randon is here, my man. How are you? So tomorrow, we'll be going live. Any of this is subject to change because I'm just going to play what I want to play at the end of the day. So in the morning, we're going to do Pokemon Sapphire Nuzlocke which might get changed to Octopath Traveler 2 because I'm obsessed with Octopath lately. But in the morning, we're going to do a Pokemon Nuzlocke. We're going to do our Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, level 1 critical limit cut at noon. At two, around 2 p.m. is Audience Theories Part 2, which Xander, I'm glad you're in the chat. I've been working on that thing you sent me. I've been working on it. We're almost there. 
But tomorrow is audience theories part two. I have a number of theories I want to read off and talk about already. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages from people that uh, have sent me good stuff, but we still have some room. So if anybody would like to share a theory or come on and chat some Kingdom Hearts, some Final Fantasy, whatever it's got to be. Xander, I'd love to have you on. You're, you're an absolutely great, great theory head. Uh, so if you want to come on, talk anything Final Fantasy, talk anything Kingdom Hearts, you're more than welcome. That's tomorrow from about 2 o'clock to 5.30. It's going to be closer to 2.15, 2.30 to 5.30. So make sure you show up. We're going to have a good time. Going to try and do some party games at the end of the night. But if we don't have enough people for party games, I'm just going to play Octopath. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. Octopath is a high-tier game. It's so good. Appreciate it immensely again, homie. Thank you. Of course, dude. I got you. I got you. Umbra says, if you've played FF7 Remake, you've noticed that Zack appears in quite a different way. And we play around a lot with the original universe to convey something different. If you like Zack, there will be something very there will be some very interesting things for you in FF7 Rebirth. Nothing new, but still exciting. Definitely exciting. Oh, bet. I'll definitely pop in and hang before I head to my concert. Amen. Awesome, dude. I love it. I love it. Let me know if you actually want to like come on and chat and we'll I'll open a time slot for you. But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up here today, guys. It's been real. I'll be live literally all day tomorrow. So I'll see a bunch of you tomorrow. It'll be a good time. Um, thanks for hanging out, everybody. It's been real. If you're hanging out on Twitch, stick around for the raid. We're going to raid... We're going to raid Momo. She's playing uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. So let's get on in there. Rocket Town Forest has a 50% chance of spawning Yuffie. We're talking OG then, huh? All right, anyway, we're going to wrap it up here, guys. Another podcast tomorrow. More Kingdom Hearts stuff coming. More FF7 stuff coming. Again, thanks for hanging out. We'll be live all day tomorrow. I'll see you guys then. Peace.